This podcast is brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. So contact us today by visiting likeable.com. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up. Welcome to All the Social Ladies with CEO of Likeable Media, Carrie Kirpin. Now, Carrie Kirpin. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of All the Social Ladies. I am Carrie Kirpin, CEO of Likeable Media, and today is an exciting day. It's an exciting day because I am here with Bethany Evans. Bethany Evans recently joined Southwest Airlines as a business consultant on social market strategy. Prior to joining Southwest, she served as social media manager at JCPenney, where she led the engagement team in content creation and community management across JCPenney's social channels. Bethany has planned and executed a number of industry-leading campaigns that are totally awesome, and I'm going to ask her all about them, including hashtag JCP Cup and hashtag Stomp a Little Louder. And she's been a featured speaker for socialmedia.org discussing how to win at social media contests. She's just an altogether fabulous social lady, and I'm so excited to welcome her. So welcome, Bethany. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, we're so excited to have you here. And I know you've just joined Southwest in your new role, um, but I'd love to hear the story of kind of your journey into social media. Tell me a little bit of, of the story of your career. Absolutely. Well, after college, I mostly worked in startups. Um, and then really back when Groupon and Living Social were getting big, I worked for one of their early competitors called Buy With Me. Oh, I know and Buy With Me. I, I remember was, them. Yeah, they were based in Boston, Mm -hmm. um, later acquired by Guilt City. So I ended up being laid off. Um, But the good thing about Buy With Me was that I was a writer and editor for them. But part of our job was to do social media for our markets. And that included social listening and proactive reaching out, which was pretty cutting edge back in 2010. Yep. Um, So, for example, you know, we'd look for people in Chicago tweeting that they needed a massage, and then we would tweet them back and say, hey, we have a great massage deal today. Um, And there was always that fine line of trying to keep it funny versus creepy. Right, right. (laughs) Um, But that kind of one-on-one interaction and seeing how it could kind of translate into real-world action and brand advocacy was really what started my interest in social. Wow, that's really exciting. And did it work? Did it end up working for Buy With Me when you were doing a lot of that one-to-one interaction? It did. It was funny. You know, not many brands were doing it at the time. So most people loved it. They would tweet us back and be like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know anyone ever saw my tweets. <laughs> like, I'm going to check you guys out. That's awesome. And so when you were so and uh, buy with me was acquired and you ended up getting laid off. How did you handle that? And what approach did you take afterwards? Were you uh, I assume that was your first experience losing a job. It was. And, you know, at first it was really hard. I'd been kind of pouring myself into that job for two years. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I found myself unemployed. But really it ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. I took about six months to just spend time with my son, who was 
about two at the time, um, and do some freelance work and just figure out what I really wanted to do next. And I kept coming back to social. Uh, So I started applying for full-time jobs and eventually was lucky enough to get one for a hotel search engine startup called RoomKey that's based here in Dallas. So I got to launch their social presence, which was really, really exciting. And did you move? Were you in Boston at the time? Did you move? No. So it was kind of perfect. I was working remotely when I was at Uh, Buy With Me. So I was already here in Dallas. Um, So yeah, it was kind of fabulous. perfect how everything. So then you ended up finding a startup that was located in Dallas. Exactly. Amazing. Okay. So you landed and you were at RoomKey. What happened next? Well, so I was there less than a year when JCPenney recruited me. They had been using an agency to do their social, and they decided to bring it in-house. So they were hiring a bunch of people all at the same time. So that was just that opportunity that I couldn't turn down, you know, the chance to do social at a big brand um, and kind of at such an exciting time for the company. I just had to jump on it. And luckily, my boss at the time completely understood. You know, she was very supportive. So you knew instinctively to take that jump to go to a large... What appealed to you was that it was a large brand that was building out their internal social and you'd be there basically from the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Really exciting. And so when you got in there, what was your role? So I started as social engagement manager, but I was hired just to do the proactive content and then ended up leading the community management team as well. So it was a big learning curve. I had those days at the beginning where I was just wondering, you know, what am I doing, especially coming from the startup side to working for a Fortune 500 company. There were just so many kind of roles that I wasn't even familiar with, you know, something that at a startup one person would have done, you know, now there were 10 people that did that thing and you kind of needed to figure out who's the right person to go to, how's the best way to handle this. So it it took a while for me to get comfortable. And would you say that that was one of the main differences between working at a startup and a Fortune 500 company? Was it that just the volume of people? What else? Tell me about that experience, the differences there. That was part of it, but it was also wonderful, just all of a sudden having these resources. Wow. You know, I mean, an in-house creative team and, you know, actually knowing people at Facebook and Twitter that I could call on with questions, just having all of those resources to let us do our job so much more efficiently, let us really focus on, you know, content versus a lot of how am I going to do this. And did you feel like your experience at the startup helped you be better on the brand side? Do you think the startup really taught you anything interesting on that side that that helped you on the brand side? Did you learn anything there that you carried over? I do. You know, it really teaches you how to wear many hats. Yep. (laughs) You just get used to jumping into anything, you know, as you know. Yep. So I think it helps you just understand how not to be thrown for too much of a loop. You know, if something comes up out of left field, you can, you know, you may not do it perfectly, but you can kind of just jump in and figure it out. I think you're not afraid to jump in. So that was a huge help for me, for sure. And how many people were on the team at JCPenney? Well, so when I came on board, it was just my boss who had come over from Target. Um, So it was really fantastic at just kind of bringing his great experience over. And then one other girl who had been there since she interned in college. Um, oh, so it started fairly small. 
So that's that's yes. a pretty small team. And then all of a sudden when I started, it was myself and gosh, five, five others, five or six others. So yeah, we were all going through orientation together, all kind of figuring it out together. But that ended up making us so close. Like we were a very close-knit team. That is so awesome. And how, when you transitioned, so JCPenney transitioned from using an agency to going internal. How were they measuring the success of whether or not you guys were doing awesome work or work that needed help? You know, How did they really measure the success of social? You know, we always talk, leadership always talks about driving opinion versus driving sales. Mm. And social is one of those places, at least at JCPenney, that gets to play more in the opinion space versus, you know, direct mail or email, which is really all about the sales. And so at a conversation level, we would use measurements like SLAs and customer satisfaction surveys. Mm -hmm. But on the campaign level, you know, for opinion, we would do a lot of sentiment measurement, um, Nielsen brand effect studies, shares, more that side of it. And then Mm -hmm. on the sales side, we would be measuring reach and traffic and sales using tools like Convertro and DataLogix. And were you able to show a strong story from what you were doing in social? We were. It was incredible. You know, back when we all started on board, you know how on Facebook you can have so much negative feedback by people marking your posts as spam or I don't want to see this. And that was the case when we all started. There were actually more people who were not liking the content than were liking it, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which is a scary place to be at as a brand. You know, you never want people to be that unhappy. So we were able to show just really a sharp bell curve going in the right direction once we all started, which is really a tribute to my boss, Sean's leadership. You know, he really took a step back and said, we're only going to do what makes sense for the brand and for the space. You know, we're not going to just throw any old post up there. And that did make a huge difference very quickly. And so what was the shift in tone that attributed to the overall kind of success and change over? Like, what did you do that helped you get there? Well, you know, we have this viewpoint of social at GCPenney of really thinking about conversation-led marketing. Yep. And you know, you can't do that unless you know kind of three things, which are your brand, your audience, and your platform. And once you know those, you can figure out the conversations, the more real-time conversations outside of playing content that makes sense for your brand to play in. You know, I'm thinking of like the Oreo Pride post or the Snickers World Cup tweet. Mm -hmm. Uh, The flip side of that would be the 9-11 posts that happen every year where a random brand will post, yeah, a never-forget picture with their logo on it. And you don't want to capitalize on a moment of mourning or be that intrusive brand in someone's feed. You want to be a friend whose updates they look forward to and share and that feels natural to pop up. Um, I've always thought, you know, you guys really summed it up perfectly by saying you just need to be likable. (laughs) And once you start putting things through that filter, it gets, you know, harder but also simpler. So it sounds like you really just determined what was likable for your fan base and your audience and, and really went with that. Yeah, that was a huge part of it. And so tell us about some of the campaigns that you've worked on. I know I know for Southwest, we're pretty new, but going into some of the stuff that you've done in the past, tell us about one of the more successful campaigns that you've worked on. Um, well, I can tell you about one of the best ones. One of my favorites was a JCPenney campaign called JCP Listens. We ran it back in May of 2013, and we had had a new CEO 
at the time I joined who got rid of coupons and a lot of people's favorite private brands and really alienated a lot of core customers, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And after he left, we ran a spot that really just asked people to come back and said, we're listening. Yep. And the spot had that hashtag JCP listens at the very end. Well, that blew up. It was trending on Twitter all day. We got, I think, almost 20,000 Facebook comments. And our team was all hands on deck. You know, everyone. We were just responding around the clock for about 24 hours and really trying to make each response personalized. You know, we weren't using any generic kind of canned responses. Um, So we got some great attention for it. You know, Forbes wrote a very nice article um, BuzzFeed included it in there. They wrote an article about seven reasons our social media team needed a drink just because it was That's a crazy really time, um, funny for the company. Yeah, but, but really it was great and it brought us closer together. And I think what mattered was that it was genuine. It was our team truly caring about what people had to say, you know, the positive and the negative. And that collective feedback ended up being very valuable to leadership when they were making decisions about how to bring the brand back onto the right track. So it was nice to see kind of also the unsung hero of social, you know, our community managers getting to take center stage. There were screenshots of them all over the place saying, hey, Mary did a great job or so-and-so did a great job. So it was just a great moment. That's really incredible. And it also speaks to the integration of traditional media and social media, right, is that you use this spot as a way to show that you were really listening to what the community was saying and be able to respond. That's pretty awesome. Exactly. And, you know, a lot of times you see commercials that have a hashtag at the end and then you type them into Twitter and it's only been used 60, 70 times. I think you have to make that emotional connection. Like with our holiday campaign just got jingled, you know, speak to a moment, speak to something people would actually want to talk about and say. And then you see so much more success rather than just trying to kind of insert yourself and maybe use the branded hashtag that nobody would ever really want to use. So. Bethany, it sounds like, you know, you've done a lot of really amazing, innovative things in your career. How how do you manage to, when you're thinking of campaigns and programs and social, how do you manage to stay innovative? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Seems like there is something new every single day, right? Um, but I do think, you know, it helps to keep in close contact, of course, with your social peers and your agency colleagues. But really, your platform partners too, you know, Facebook or Twitter, they might present a beta opportunity that's perfect for your brand and some campaign you have coming up. And it also generates some buzz in places like Mashable. So your leadership can kind of see that you're doing some exciting things. I've also seen success with holding open meetings for social stakeholders within your organization, just kind of inviting everyone to have a seat at the table and participate. You just never know where that next great idea or seed of an idea is going to come from. So I love that. That's, yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell, but I love it. And, yeah, I think staying close. And so I, you know, I know that you in general and, you know, the brands you've worked on are on a number of different networks. So how, do you think that? One way is to try networks. Are you a big fan of testing when when a network pops up, right, and is, you know, could be a big deal? Are you a fan of jumping on board and going for it? Or are you a fan of holding out and waiting to see if it's, you know, whether it's a huge success like Snapchat or whether it's kind of like, oh, tried it and eh, on something like Jelly? 
Like, how would you, how do you look yeah. at that, that type of network approach and evaluate whether or not it's worth investing? Well, I think it's absolutely worth being an early adopter if it's a platform that makes sense for your brand. You know, obviously Home Depot saw such great success with Jelly early on, yep. you know, it was a question-oriented platform and people have a million home improvement questions that they were able to just jump in and start answering. Um, but, you know, it also depends on your legal and how conservative they are. You know, I know a lot of legal uh, folks aren't aren't okay with a brand participating on Snapchat, for example. Um, so that's part of it is just making sure you're working with your internal stakeholders. It's okay to reserve your username, but I don't know that it makes sense for every brand to get on every platform. It does help, though, with followship. You know, JCPenney was one of the early brands on We Heart It, yep. and I think saw a big boost because of that. And We Heart It made sense because it's such a young crowd that you can reach there much more easily than you can a lot of other places. It's also so visual. You know, it's a visual storytelling platform just like Pinterest. So the fact that as a fashion brand, you have so many amazing pictures to put out there, it just made a lot of sense. That's Incredible. And so when they were on We Heart It, did they also get a lot of kind of coverage for being, you know, one of the first on there? Yes. That's and great. That was great. Exactly. I love that. I love that. And so the trick is finding and, and capitalizing on the opportunities that work well for you. Yes. And so tell me about your personal social media usage. So you've been in this space for a long time now. Do you find yourself holding back more? Or do you find yourself just always on? Like, is the fact that you work in social, does it make you want to update personally more or less? I would say less. (laughs) Me too. I tell you, for me too, I hear a lot of the ladies say more, but for me, it's less. You're the same way. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just you realize working in this space that anything you put out there is out there forever. (laughs) Yep, yep. So it is your personal brand. You know, any platform, whether it's kind of private like Facebook or not, you don't want to put anything out there that just might be in the heat of the moment and then later you regret it. You know, I don't want to say anything that I might be momentarily upset about, but then five minutes later it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, I feel the same way, actually. It's it's hard. Sometimes I want to post about whether it's something that's political or something that I'm feeling cranky about or anything in general. And I I just find myself holding back so much more, which is funny because for brands, I do tend to take risks. But I think um, Mm -hmm. I think for my, you know, you'd become so sort of desensitized, you know, you you, you're almost oversensitized in a way, if that makes sense. It does. Well, and I think you have a great point about politics. I think probably working in social, you realize Hitting a post on Facebook about politics is not going to change anyone's opinion nope, nope. about whatever their political beliefs are. And commenting either. That was my my latest realization was that even commenting yeah. if somebody else writes something dumb, like even responding like, hey, um, that's a little dopey. It doesn't get you anywhere because they're never going to see your point of view anyway. So it's, it's, it's no. Like, and it's not worth messing up. No, their it's not. Over. It's not. It's not. I totally, totally agree. So tell me um, what for you would you say? I've heard a lot of success stories from you, a lot of great things. And I love what you did at JCPenney. I've been loving watching your success as you're moving forward into Southwest. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges. What challenge have you faced in your career and how you've overcome it? Honestly, and I'm sure a lot of people say this, but it has been being a working mom. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I know you encounter that too. Yep. And 
I was managing okay when I just had one. But after I had my second son and I went back to work, it was really hard for a while. You know, just finding the time to pump in between meetings yep. felt impossible. Yep. And I was lucky enough, you know, I had a very supportive boss and colleagues, but just nobody can tell you, I think, how exhausted you'll be, especially when you come home and you're outnumbered and your house is a disaster and your husband's traveling and you need to do work after the kids are in bed. Um, and, you know, eventually I got to a much better place, especially, you know, my second, he's almost one and he sleeps through the night. Oh, <laughs> uh, it will get even better. It will get even, even better than that. Yeah. If he's still, if he's one, how old is your older one? He just turned five today, actually. Oh, happy birthday. What's his name? Oh, thank you, Finnegan. Oh, happy birthday, Finnegan. This will air after your actual birthday, but still, we're wishing you the happiest of birthdays. I love it. So five I'll and, play it for him. Yes, you it. have to. You have to. So it's five and one, yeah. I mean, hopefully it, it only gets easier from here. But, yeah, no one really tells you, or even if they tell you, it's just the overall experience. I think going also from one to two just on its own, working, not working, anything, is just such a huge, huge challenge. It's It's like a shock to the system. You thought that too? Yeah, oh, did I think that? Of course, it was. It was like uh, totally shocking. I have, you know, I have two, and I have one on the way. And um, congratulations! Yeah, th- thank you. But you know, mine are older now, so I've got an. Uh, mm-hmm. By the time this airs, I'll see eleven and seven, and now I have a new one coming. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I'm like doing it all That's again. So exciting! So though. yeah, it is a hard challenge. It is a hard challenge. But do you find? Um, so it sounds like you found some ways to work around it and, and do the best you can. I think ultimately you just make some some sacrifices and realize you can't do it all, 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 uh, but you do the best you can. Exactly. You know, I figured out how to prioritize at work and just take the occasional night off. Yep. You know, there's nights where nothing gets done. There's piles of dirty laundry and dishes. And totally. <laughs> because the kids don't remember that anyway. That, that they don't remember. So that's always there a good you go. Thing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So from the challenges, give me the proudest moment in your career. Honestly, probably the CMAs, um, the 2014 CMAs. JC Penny was a sponsor, and we had partnered with this up and coming country artist the sweetest girl in the world, Natalie Stovall. She has a band called The Drive and a very powerful female figure. You know, it's called The Drive because they have a lot of drive and also because they drive all the time (laughs) on the road. Um, But, you know, so we were doing this commercial with her during the CMAs, spotlighting kind of her rise and how she had made it. And she was this emerging up-and-coming artist that we were so happy to partner with Well. I ended up working on the social campaign, and we got to do some really cool things. We did a Pinterest board featuring her favorite boots and some really cool extensions like that. While I was so lucky, I got to go to the CMAs, and I had this amazing seat, and it was one of those moments when you just look around and you're like, how is this my life? (laughs) How is this my life right now? How am I experiencing Um, that? I love it. I love it. And again, that's so integrated, Bethany. I really love how you were able to integrate a lot of the different multimedia campaigns. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was crazy. They, we had a hashtag stomp a little louder that we'd been using for the campaign and they kind of picked it up during the broadcast and they started, people started using it as if it were like the CMA's broadcast hashtag. And we were trending 
I think we trended to number four organically that night. You know, we hadn't paid for a promoted trend or anything. So that was the moment that, and it was such a team effort. You know, the team was back in the command center doing all of this amazing, surprising and delighting and interacting with people. And it was just that moment when you're so proud to be a part of something like that and so grateful for the opportunity that it was just very, very cool. I love that. A very inspiring story. And tell me, what would you say of all the advice? I'm going to ask you in a minute to offer some advice to our up-and-coming social ladies. But before we do that, what is the best advice that you as a social lady have ever received? Oh, another good question. So I would have to say the author, Tom Wolf, um, you know, Bonfire of the yes, Sanities. Yes, yes, of course. So he went to my alma mater, Washington and Lee, and he gave our 2005 commencement address. Okay. And a lot of his speech, it was very funny, you know, very off the cuff, but at the end he got more serious and he talked about the difference between leadership and character and how a lot of people will talk about leadership in the workplace, but not necessarily character. And he emphasized the importance of radiating trust, honesty, and dependability, which really stuck with me. Mm. And it's been amazing over the last 10 years, seeing what a difference it makes working with people of good character. And I've been fortunate to have some great examples. But, I mean, you know, they're people that you remember and you want to work with again and you want to see them succeed. And at the end of the day, I would say it's such a small world out there and just getting smaller by the minute, thanks to social media. Yes, no kidding. (laughs) And, yeah, you just, you never want to burn any bridges because you never know what opportunity is waiting around the corner. And a lot of those opportunities really do come down to character. And so what advice would you offer then taking, spinning off of that? It's, it sounds like, you know, definitely focusing on your character and, and really just making sure to never burn a bridge. Yes. And also to be persistent. You know, it is a hard space to get into. And if you can get the job right off the bat, that's great. But you might need to go agency side first or get some volunteer experience or maybe start at a company that you like, but in a different role with the goal of moving into social eventually, something like that. Love it. Well, Bethany, thank you so much for being on the show today. And where should people follow you if they want to find you? Thank you so much for having me. I am on Twitter, of course. I am at Bethany C. Evans. At Bethany C. Evans. We will see you in the Twitter sphere and happy, happy birthday to Finnegan. I will see you there. You've been listening to All the Social Ladies with Carrie Kerpin, CEO of Likeable Media. You can follow Carrie on Twitter, at Carrie Kerpin. To get current social media insights and great tips, sign up for Carrie's weekly newsletter by emailing newsletter at likeable.com. This podcast was brought to you by Likeable Media. At Likeable Media, we create, curate, and promote content that gets your brand results. Visit likeable.com for more information today.